When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Breakfast with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. Great to have you with us today. Weather update quickly for City Power. Summer, be prepared for extreme weather. We saw that over the last couple of days. Sign up for the SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify in Melbourne today. It's cloudy. 21 degrees. We're powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Hey, um, I did throw this out earlier. I don't know how you measure it and definitive, definitively get an answer. Who has got the best facilities in the competition? Because you and I, you got really fired up in the in the news when we started discussing it. So I'll throw it out there to the audience. Oh four double three nine eight eleven sixteen. Once upon a time, you know, I don't know who was the first to take it to the next level, but now it's an arms race. We know that. Mm-hmm. All the clubs, are, it's incumbent upon them to be able to provide the sort of facilities that are going to make these kids they draft as good a players as they possibly can. Who's got the best facilities right now? I didn't really get fired up. In my, my understanding, I said to you, the, the newest facility is going to be the greatest facility. The Sydney Swans have just unveiled their new facility. I think Port Adelaide, I don't know that they've had an official unveiling of their new facility, but they've got a brand new facility as well. So you'd expect that both those clubs have probably got the best facilities. Collingwood, they renovated their facility, part of their facility over the summer months as well. I was talking to Adam Uzo yesterday. He was saying that Richmond are about to embark upon a extension of their facility as well there this because they want some more or a bigger indoor space to do their training. Which is interesting and was the subject of our disagreement, not disagreement, but debate. They're landlocked. Richmond are landlocked. Collingwood, like Collingwood's facility is unbelievable. They they might not have to go any further, right. but they're landlocked. They're not, they can't go any further. How big do you want a facility, though? Well, You're talking about having you know multiple ovals yeah. and stuff like that. That's where why do you need that? I'm not saying you do, but that's where they're going. That's why Hawthorne are going to Dingley, to going out there to have you know multiple grounds. You see Melbourne are out. The Casey facility at Melbourne is extraordinary. I thought it was, I hope I naively thought it was just ho hum. They got ovals everywhere. They got indoor kicking. They got indoor aqua. F- yeah. yeah, all that stuff. But why do you need Essendon out there at the hangar? They've well, got they s- left Essendon. Yeah, but they got two ovals there, and that, they prim- right. well, they primarily only use one of them. I was there last week watching training, so yeah. they're training on one oval, and uh, there's a soccer team. AFLW training. teams that, come into it, I would think. That's right, but you've got you still got the if you've got two ovals, okay, you. That's my point. You're fine. That's but what you said, why do you want two ovals? Well, every club's got an AFLW team. Yeah, but they generally structure their training so that they're at different times. Like, they might be on the training track for an hour. So, of a 24-hour cycle, they're on the training track for an hour. So, you just make sure that you schedule training well, around that. There's a game at 
uh, again, I'm only talking about Casey. There was a game at Casey on, and then there was another 15 blokes training on the other oval out the back. Right. It was Greater Western. Um, I'm just trying to think of the Sydney's facility looks unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. Geelong would be awesome. They've got new, you know, they're not landlocked. They've got that oval outside of Geelong. That's right. The text message just came through. Hawthorne will have the best facilities in a couple of years' time because it'll be the newest facility. Yeah, at Dingley. Well, yeah, there are... The Western Bulldogs. The, okay, Someone what, said the Western Bulldogs is just, is just off the charts. This is what I want to see. Is I that a know, new facility? Well, it hasn't even – it's just – they're just back at Western Oval now. I think they've been away yeah. from it for a long time. So That's you know, my point. The newest one will be the best facility. Yeah. It'll be, it'll, because it'll have something that, you know, somebody else didn't have because it's only been invented. It's like you with your renovation on your house and you're talking about having a, a steam room and a cold bath <laughs> and a hot bath and all the other <laughs> – your, your new build. It's in the eye of but the beholder. it's the same thing. It's in the eye of the beholder. Like Collingwood's facility, proximity-wise, is second to none, along with Richmond. That precinct is unbelievable. Yeah, when yes, last year when we were driving into the finals and watching games, mm. I was watching them get golf buggies. They, they drove their golf buggy across from Vic, um, what's it called now? AIA. Right. The AIA Centre, a golf buggy was... ac- across the thing into the game, so they play the final. Did anyone it... hop in the one that Dennis Banks was chauffeuring? No, no, Banks, he wasn't allowed anywhere near it. And then they drove drove him back for recovery and you know yeah. food and all that sort. Of, that that is that's extraordinary. But you're right. I tell you what, you are right. You're right about the idea that it is an arms race. And it's then an arms one club when one club learns that somebody else has got a 25 meter pool. They're putting in a 35-metre pool or a 50-metre well, pool. Well, a, a hot and cold pool used to be the, well, the duck's gut state of the art. Oh, they've got mm. an ice bath. Yeah. They, can, they can go from a hot to yeah. This thing I saw at Casey, it's like a horse training yeah. uh, venue. That's how big it is. At St Kilda, we had, we had wheelie bins. St Kilda, you had <laughs> cold and cold. That's all you had. Yeah, but they were in wheelie bins. <laughs> no hot. I'm not joking. They were in wheelie bins. Anyway, I'll be interested to see if someone is a, an expert and could definitively rank the best facilities, I'd be very interested to have a look at that. Why has that got you interested anyway? I, I just think it's fascinating. I do. I think it's a fascinating part of where footy's going because it, we're following these overseas models. You, yeah. you know, in terms of proximity, Collingwood and Richmond and all that to the MCG and the sporting precinct is great, but World Sport suggests that, no, nah, they're going outside. There's big training facilities that are outside of the major cities because they want all the room and they want the expanse. I know, but the person I was speaking to yesterday about the Casey facility, he's mm-hmm. saying that uh, they're coming back. That's only temporary. So no, no, they'll no, be out no. there that's... for a little while and then they're coming no, back no, into that's town. that's not true. That's not Are true. you sure about that? I was out there Friday talking to the bloke who's tipped in a million bucks to make sure that it is the facility for them. And what do the players think, though, about having to drive out there? Well, I didn't ask them, but I. But well, well, you should. Maybe you should ask them. But if you're living, you know, that's why they should have ask gone. the players from St Kilda whether or not they enjoyed no. being at Seaford. Well, the last people you would ask are the players. Well, well, why? Because the facility. They're a partner. Because the facilities. The, okay, well, put it this way: having seen that, if a player was whinging about having to go to Casey, I would be wondering about his mindset to play AFL footy. Right. I would. I'd be looking at him going, well, I'm not sure about you. What if, if, you, if you're whinging about driving out to Casey and once you get there to have everything there, everything, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be saying I'm not sure about you. Well, I don't know that that would be the case because I would think it would be a legitimate uh, concern of a player to think, okay, well, I live, you know, you're making me travel an hour and a half or an hour or whatever 
might be if I get stuck in traffic to get to training. Right. And you're going to ask me to come and actually live closer to there. Well, I don't want to live closer there. I've got my family and everybody. My kids are in school and, you know, kindergartens and two I don't words. want to be out there. Two words. What? 440. What's that? The average, average wage. <laughs> average wage. Uh, uh, it doesn't work like that, Gary. It doesn't work like pardon? that. It, it doesn't work well, like that play. in life anymore. If, you can't, if you're whinging about driving right. an hour or having to go an hour out of your way twice a week maybe. Right. And you're on 440,000 average. Right. And you might be on seven or 800. Then don't play and live out in the suburbs and get on a train and travel an hour and 10 minutes on the train into work. Okay. And what about uh, then do you think it's okay for coaches to be contacting players out of hours as well and sending them text messages or not? What's that mean? Well, these are the other new you know rules that are coming into to what coaches aren't allowed to talk to their players. <laughs> no, in the Alistair work, Clarkson in, in, flew, I'm about flew in the, to Las Vegas and no, knocked on Buddy Franklin's door and said, I'm talking what are you about doing? I'm talking about the workforce where you're not going to have Don't to respond to to, to the boss out of hours. <laughs> do you think about that or not? I think it's ridiculous. Well, do you want to try and keep the players happy or not? If you if you're not, okay, so if, if you got if you got forty two players on the list and thirty eight of them are unhappy about the fact they've got to travel you know, an extra hour to training or whatever it might be, don't you think that you'd be trying to make it as comfortable and as a happy environment as you possibly could, or you don't want nobody there playing? No, as long as the environment is the right environment. The Seaford one didn't work because it wasn't right. It wasn't it wasn't right? The whole setup wasn't right. No, but I their understand. main beef, yeah, but their main beef was having to travel there. That was their main beef. They had a yeah, you know, they had Moorabbin that was around the corner how, from where most players lived. How good if that was lived. set up properly, properly, and then they could go and live down the peninsula and just drive up the training there? Um, well, well, maybe that would have been a better way of attacking it, and but it wasn't a, at the some time. Very good messages coming through here too that North Melbourne arguably had the worst facilities in the competition when they were winning premierships left, right and centre. But the game has changed. It has moved on. It has moved on. And you want to be able to provide the facilities, the best facilities you possibly can. If Tim English, now he's, Tim English is working out whether he's going to stay or go, right? So, you know, he said tomorrow, uh, yesterday with Channel 7, he said, I'll leave that up tomorrow. If the Western Bulldogs weren't investing and weren't spending money on their facility, what do you reckon he's thinking? Yeah, well, West Coast have. They've got two ovals over there. They've got, from all reports, this unbelievable, what, he's going to stay at the Western Oval if, if they weren't yeah, investing. I think you're being a little bit naive here. I think you're being a little bit naive. It'll be about one thing. It'll be about the bag. That's what it'll be about. It'll be about money. I'm, I'm sure it's, that would be a factor, but how, I don't think it's going to weigh. I don't really think it's going to weigh that heavily in his mind whether or not they've got two 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 ovals to train on, and whether or not they've got a, a fifty meter pool or a, or a twenty five meter pool or a thirty meter pool. Whether they've got oh, a fucking right. cold for. Okay. I, I think be you're that. being a bit naive. If they were trying to get Tim English out of the West Coast over to the Western Bulldogs, and they said, "Listen." I know you got the state of the art over there. Come with me. I'll walk you through our facilities. And they walked through this joint that was back in the eighties. You reckon that had impact or not? Well, it may. It may in some way, but I don't think it's going to be. I don't think that would be the deciding factor for him. It would be a factor. Would you? How much? Uh, it, not so much in money, but in terms of importance to your team, mm -hmm. Tim English. Yeah. What would you be prepared to make him if you were? a club trying to attract his services. Would you be prepared to make him the highest paid player in your team? I think he's going to... Is that the importance he, you place on a Ruckman or not? Uh, on a good one, yep. And he he will 
I think he's going to be in the you know up in the million dollar bracket because if you look at again his his graph of improvement and you want to take mm. the, I always used to measure mm. him by the best ruckman and that was Max Gorn for six years and may still will but he he's followed the same graph right now is Max Gorn worth the money is which he is I don't mm. need to ask how him many that. can I ask you this how many best and fairest has Max Gorn won um I don't know but he's been a six time All Australian mm. six time All Australian and there. Arguably, he's no more important player to that footy club than Max Gorn. So, if Tim English can... is Tim English the most important player? At no, he's the not. Bulldogs There's now. Marcus Bontempelli sitting there. Is he in the top five? Yeah, Petrarca to Bontempelli is sorry. Bontempelli is Petrarca to what Petrarca is to Gorn with him in English. You know what I mean? He's super important. You got no Tim English there. You take Tim English out of the Western Bulldogs side. Who 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 leads that ruck division? Well, right now, probably Rory Lobb. Yeah, okay, that's a, that's that's great. Now, Rory Lobb's a really talented player, but he has not demonstrated in any way, shape, or form that he's able to shoulder week in, week out, stand in the hole ruck duties. Mm. Who won the grand final last year? Um, Collingwood. Who was their ruckman? Their ruckman was Mason Cox mm. and the other big fella. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Cameron Darcy Cameron. And where do you reckon they would feel on their pay scale at Collingwood? Well down. Exactly. Well down. So what have they just proven then? That there's no one size fits all. Mm. And you don't necessarily need to have all your money in your salary cap in the ruck division. That's right. Who won the premiership the year before? The year before. The uh, two years before. Well, Geelong did the year two before. Two years that. before. Well, no, that wasn't even Melbourne then. Yeah. Well, two, well, two years before that yeah. was Melbourne, yeah. yeah. And who, was, who, had, who well, was driving it? Well, the kid that now is at Fremantle. He's a ruckman. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, he did in the second half. It's interesting. It was probably, he wasn't the best player on the ground, though, in the grand final either. Luke Jackson? No, he wasn't. Petrarca no, probably He was. turned the game, though, Luke Jackson. Anyway, it's a good, it's a good discussion. This is Tim English, anyway, talking um, about uh, where his contract is uh, right now, talking to Mitch uh, Cleary on 7 News last night. No. No. We got Tim English talking about his contract uh, last night on Channel 7. I sort of trust him and trust his judgment with that. He's done all my contracts so far, so I'm just going to back him in and, um, yeah, hopefully um, we get the best result possible. Hmm. Well, that's what you're after, aren't you? The best result possible. He won't stop people talking about it, which is fair enough. We understand how it all works, but um, I think it's a big year. It's a big year for the Bulldogs and Tim English is right to sit back and say, yeah, I'll wait and see how things unfold and the Western Bulldogs will do their best if they want him to lead their ruck charge to try and lock him away. Righto, we'll take a break. Tone, Alex, we'll get to you on the other side. Breakfast with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. I love a little bit of an animated conversation, particularly this time of the year. we're going to have lots to talk about when the games get going, but these are the things you muse over. Uh, George Sammy has to join us, the dog, to come in, the Greyhound. You can be a part of the Greyhound's winnings. Let's hope they win plenty. Police have arrested two armed people in custody after a Super Bowl parade shooting. What? I don't think... I'm just reading this off the news. So, Brooksy, get on this. I'm not, it's not saying that anyone's been killed. Multiple people have been struck, it said. So it? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. just read that, read that off the screen there now. Okay. Police draw guns um, at the uh, Super Bowl, the Chiefs of Bowl right. we'll, we'll get you the details. We'll get you the story there, but it's on all the news right now. So. That's crazy. 
That is crazy. And what do you make of the Nathan? Oh, sorry, I said we get to Tony. How are you, Tone? Um, good morning, boys. How are we? Good, thanks. Uh, look, just um, in relation to your comments about the, the training facilities, I mean, obviously the Collingwood facilities are far and above the best facilities in the league, but there used to be a time when they were actually criticised for that, that they were being soft and um, the time when they were struggling. So um, just your thoughts, does having the best facilities necessarily mean you're going to have the best football side? No, 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 it doesn't, Tom. We spoke about that earlier, but in this day and age, it is incumbent upon each of the clubs to present a setup that allows whoever's being drafted, for instance, yeah. every yeah. opportunity to be the best player that they can be. And I don't think that was always the case over the years. That was a criticism. North Melbourne you know, spoke about the fact they didn't have the great facilities. They had the greatest player, the King, who took them yeah. you know, along with a really talented group to premierships. But as a young kid going in there, you're going, was, am I going to be able to get as, you know, as maximised mm. everything here? And so that's all we're saying. There's going to, always going to be someone that's going to go above and beyond and a bit further, but there does need to be a level at some stage. But it won't be the panacea. No, sure. no. But it is part of the sales pitch. You're quite right. Like if you're trying to attract a player and recruit a player from another club, then that would be part of the sales pitch. Come out and have a look at our facilities. And just on, um, we talked about Tim English and whether he should or shouldn't. And this is this is good from J-Dog. He's obviously a Bulldogs man. He reckons that Sam Darcy's already beating English now. Uh, I've watched all of those. So J-Dog's, a, I'm, I'm assuming he's a Western Bulldog supporter. So he reckons he'll become the dog's number one ruckman, Sam Darcy, in time. But you can't just throw him in right now, can you? Well, you might <laughs> if he's that good. Well, you know, talent-wise, but all indications are that Sam Darcy's going to have to be really well managed because he's picked up some unique injuries along his way. He so has. He needs to be a bit carefully managed, but I think he's going to be a super talent too, J-Dog. Thanks for your message. Talking about uh, disruption and injuries and things, uh, Nathan Murphy, front of the media yesterday, is just um, going to modify his pre-season program. This is what he had to say. Yeah. Nathan Murphy. It was good to see Nick laying a tackle for once. That doesn't happen too much. But um, no, I actually responded really positively to that. At the moment, it's just about getting myself in the right frame of mind to... Um, be able to compete at AFL level, so we won't put a time frame on it. It's just a bit of a confidence thing. It has really no relation to my head issues. I think it's just the way I can approach the game better to play this game for as long as I can. So what did you make of that? It's a curious one, isn't it? He's had 10 concussions, um, Nathan Murphy. No, but then he just said that it's got nothing to do with that. No, yeah, that's right. He, he's talking about technique and, you know, the we say the commendable in some ways, reckless bravery that he has. Uh, but in the end, you look at that and go, with your history, you've got to sort of temper that to some degree. Mm. And that might be, that would be one of the hardest things to do in footy, Tim, is to say, don't be so brave. And then he, if he keeps going out and doing it, mm. then they say, look, have a couple of weeks away from it and let's try and work out. Instead of doing this, run them back with a flight at 100 miles an hour, which you are programmed to do innately, obviously, We've already told you we don't really need you doing that because the situation, yet you still do it. Maybe they need a circuit breaker to go, okay, this is how you can go and do those sorts of things. That's what he's saying. So beyond that, it's impossible know. not to think that the two are connected, that, that, though, in some way. I agree with that. And Isn't it? I agree with I'm that. listening to him and I'm hearing him, but in my mind, I'm thinking, well, surely that's got something to do with it. Yeah. And we know that he got tackled at training by Dacos yep. as well, and he got flung into the ground and he got up and he looked like he was shaken from that as well. So 
You know what? The, the, the most important thing is, and there's no suggestion that he's not getting this advice from people at Collingwood and medical people and his family and that type of thing, that he looks after his health in whatever that means and whatever that takes and however that manifests itself right now, that is the most important thing. And if he's not, if he's lacking confidence in some way, and he thinks that he should shouldn't be playing in those games, then that's the right thing to do too. And you'd have to give him the credit. He he took himself out of the grand final. He took he, this is what gets lost a little bit. Mm. He is the person he, that said, "I'm I'm out of the grand final, mm. the most important day of his football life." He was. Um, uh, conscientious enough of the situation to say, I've got to get out. So I would then look at him and say, well, you've got a pretty good handle on this. You're not going to be reckless. You're not going to take, like, I don't know if I'm playing in the grand final whisper and I got knocked out, you'd be saying, take me out. So he's he's clearly cognizant of the issues and, mm. and what could and couldn't happen to the point he took himself out of the biggest game. There was an article written recently about why is he still playing? This is the area that I get to where having been through the, with Paddy and those sorts of things, yeah, Paddy got there in the end and people were telling him, he, but they they are getting the best advice. And I know that Nathan Murphy would be getting the best advice. I don't want to tell yes. him to stop playing. That's not my right. I don't know what's intimately what's going on with him. I, I trust that they're doing the right thing at Collingwood with him and given that he took himself out of the grand final, that he'll make the right decision. So... It's a, it's a really interesting situation. He says he's going to come back. That's what he's saying right now. Yeah, he hasn't retired from the game. No. Um, just quickly, too, Craig McCrow um, was uh, confronted by the media post that uh, pre-season game yesterday or that inter-club sim game that they played yesterday, Collingwood, about whether or not he sees himself as a long-term coach. This is what he had to say. I'm deliberate in saying that because I'm, I know this is not forever and I'm, I'm really conscious of that. Um, Can you I, say that now having achieved the success? Of, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, I just don't, I'm not going to put a ceiling on it, but also I'm a realist. And I, and I, I stepped in, I, I don't know if you remember my first interviews, I'm, 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 I'm pumped to be here, I am. And, um, but I know it's not forever, so I'm really conscious to, to sit in it and, and appreciate what the opportunity I've been given. What's, what do you read into that, if you're the reading between the lines? I, I think that's just what we've come to expect from him. It's just he answers questions honestly and openly and there's an authenticity about him that just shines through in everything he has to say. And I, I, it's hard to see yourself as a long-term coach because if you get into coaching, a lot of those decisions are made for you. They're not your decisions about whether or not you're going to be a long-term coach. And he has the passion. That's what he's saying. I've got the passion for it. I've still got the same excitement. I've still got the same optimism about coaching that I had when I stepped into the job. Why wouldn't he? The evolution of that role is a constant source of fascination for me, the senior coaching role and how much it has changed since you did it to yeah. where it sits today and where it'll be in another 10 years. Now, you know, we had Chris Fagan sitting in this seat telling us on air and off, and we're not breaking confidence, but the way he approaches it all, that is a mile away from what it was, excuse me, when you were there. And I Gary, I sat down and interviewed Adam Uze yesterday, and I won't talk about the exact content of it because it's something that we're going to show uh, on Channel 7 on Monday or Tuesday, but it... it it's fascinating when you talk to different coaches because we think that all clubs might be coached in a similar way and coaches go mm. about it in, a, in the same way, but they don't. No. They clearly have emphasis in certain areas and may suit their personality and their style and their philosophy, but they aren't all doing it the same way. And okay. that's why, you know, that's why they get 
different results. And if you get a great coach at your football club and that coincides with you getting the right talent around them, you get the great opportunity for your team to be successful. Let's talk about next Tuesday about the different types of coaches and maybe try and marry it up with your club where they're at. Yeah, Gattamuzo's brand new. He's going to be in everything. Yeah. He's going to be, well, you know, and he's, the challenge for him will be delegate and let someone else, because understandably you want to be in, in on top of it all. Chris Scott, yesterday, you know, those that have been in the system for a long time, mm. what it looks like for them compared to them is what interests me. We've got to get a breakaway. Several people, just that story, have been shot in Kansas City, Missouri on Wednesday um, after revelers gathered to celebrate with a parade and rally for the Chiefs Super Bowl win. That's according to police. The shooting took place west of Union Station near the garage as Chiefs fans were leaving. Officials said two armed people have been detained, according to Kansas City Police. We'll monitor that story as it unfolds. Georgie Samuels is going to join us very shortly in the studio. First time for the year. Great to see Georgie. Boy, Alex is in Northlake. He's been waiting for a while. I think he's talking about the facilities. How are you, Alex? Yeah, good day, guys. I was just ringing to say that the West Coast Eagles have got two full-size ovals. And one oval is in the exact same dimensions as the MCG. They can do their match spins based on the MCG. The, the other thing I was going to say is uh, in rap play, it'll be interesting to see what um, the change in the rap law by Laura Kane in allowing the Ratman to have a straight-arm block on their opponent. That'll favour Max Gorn and Cody Mancurvis in, in rap play. Yeah, it's a good point, Alex, and um, that's been communicated, and, the, and Tim was in on the meeting yesterday. So do you think it's going to be dramatic, Wisp? We're going to be watching games early this year and go, oh, have a look at this. Well, there's a difference in it, and those, those Ruckmen that are really good at the craft and use that as part of their craft and get that separation between them and their opponent a Ruck duel, I, I think it's going to advantage them significantly. And Max is one of the best at doing that. You're only allowed to have a stiff arm, though. It's not allowed to be bent. You're, do, um, you're doing it with your fist. Well, as well, I shouldn't have done it with my fist, okay. but you, got, you okay. can like, and he. So you can palm off, but you just got to have a straight arm. That's right. You got to have a straight arm, yeah. and he's very good at being able to position that in the chest of the opposition. And that Ruckman. used to be a free kick against for p- pushing him off the line. That's of the ball. right. No longer is that a free kick, and that was that was one of my great gripes watching the game because I've always believed that that was the art of ruck work, being able to do that and position yourself in the right way and get that separation get that clean space and then be able to tap the ball. And Max has been great at being able mm. to do that. And the great Ruckman over the history of the game have been great at being able to do that too. I mean, Sam Newman used to turn up at our training. Yeah, he was our yeah, Rucks yeah, coach did, and he yeah. used to teach that to Simon Madden and the other Ruckman. He did indeed. He it was did. a great part of their arsenal. And then and now it'll be about knocking that arm. You know, the skill then is how do you overcome that Max Gorns of the world? Well, then you've got to get that out of the road yeah. before you go and do your own Ruck work. But don't you think it's great that, you know, there's got to be craft and skill that's associated with every position that you play. And yeah. they are part of the tools of being a great Ruckman. 100%. And I thought that they were taken away from the Ruckman. 100%. Uh, these are the conversation starters for the Drain Man. Drain Relining is a no-dig. What's that? Drain Relining is the no-dig. Oh, no-dig, no-drama way to rehabilitate your assets. The Drain Man. Okay, eight and ten people now have been reported as being injured in that uh, shooting over in Kansas. So... That is no good whispers, but uh, let's just take a break and lighten up a little bit and get your summer wine drinking sorted out. Uh, He looks like he's had a couple over the summer, doesn't he? (laughs) He joins us on the other side, Georgie Samuels.